Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today we are continuing our backstory uh, series that we started last week, so I invite you to get out your Bible or electronic device. We're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, looking at the doctor, Dr. Luke today. And just a quick recap, last week we talked about temptation. How many remember temptation last week, right? Maybe you're going, I remember temptation today, brother. So uh, temptation, as we look at it and we walk back into it, we talked about how, uh, just a recap, temptation is normal. Temptation is normal. We're all tempted, right? It's a part of it. And we also talked about how temptation in itself is not sin. Jesus was tempted, but he didn't give in to it because he was sinless, right? And even as we do that, we bring that to the Lord, and the Lord strengthens it, something that the enemy wanted to use to destroy us. When we walk with Jesus, Jesus uses this to actually strengthen us. So today, we're, we're kind of following this backstory series, looking at the story behind the story, and we're following all the things, or as many as we can, the things that happened to Jesus from, uh, from when he was called, baptized, led into the wilderness, tempted, came out, and now we're coming to uh, one of the first things that he did was he called Called the first disciples, first disciples, who and uh, if you uh, if you grew up in Sunday school, you probably saw the flannel graph where the first three disciples were Peter, James, and John. Remember that? We even had a song. My Sunday school teacher taught me the song: Peter, James, and John in the sailboat. Peter, James, and John in the sailboat. That's all I'm going to sing for you. There we go. We'll have Michael come up at the end and do a cool rendition of that. But we talked about those first things. And when you look at it, when you look at the book of Mark, which was uh, written by Peter, transcribed by Mark, but when Peter described this first calling of the disciples, Peter's pretty brief about it. Peter only, he only shares a few verses about it. And he basically says, you know what, one day Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee and he saw us and he called us and called us to drop our nets and follow him. That's, about, that's my synopsis of all that Peter says. But what I want us to do is I want us to look at that greater picture and I want us to look at how, how Dr. Luke describes it. And this is found in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Luke 5, 1 through 11, because, because doctors, people of science, they know how to dig deeper because there's something more there, isn't it? And here's what it says. It says, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gesenaret, the people were crowding, and that's how you pronounce it, believe it or not. I went to the Strong's G, Strong's G, and it's, it's Gennesaret. Check it out. Don't mock me, people. All right. I'll cough all over you. No, I'm joking. So. It is, you know, it is, come on. It's been a hard week. I will say, though, I don't find myself wanting to cough until I get around people. Isn't that weird? You know, I'm fine, and then I stand in the coffee house line, and I'm like, I got a cough, and I'm not sick, so I'm fine. See, I, I gave into that temptation. Let's keep going. So, Gesenaret, that's how the dude pronounced it. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Peter, and he asked him uh, to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, this is Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, 
we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. How many want to go to that fishing spot? When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, listen to this, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. So when Peter saw this, he looked and he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Let's keep going. Then Jesus said to Simon, and I love this. He said, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up to the shore. They left everything, and they followed him. They followed him. As we take some moments this morning just to kind of dive into this, we're going to look at three key things. And the first thing we're going to look at is that Jesus planned his discipleship. This is the plan. This is why we talk about it so much. The plan is discipleship. But I think in this we also need to discover how Jesus calls people to discipleship. Because this is our call. We need to learn from Jesus in how he did this. And then we're going to look at that last part of this, which is a key part, which was when Jesus, he looked at them, and he invited them to take that first step. And that first step is to drop your nets. Step one is what? Drop your nets. And so as we begin, I want to invite you to join me in, in a Quaker prayer. This is a prayer that we do so many times together. And the Quakers, when they pray, they start by holding their hands out, palm down. I invite you to do that. And what this does is it symbolizes a letting go. Because in order for us to receive, we first need to let go. And I invite you just to close your eyes and invite the Lord and the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And say, Lord, what are you asking me to let go of today? What are you asking me to let go of? Lord, I let go of anything that's in the way. Anything that's filled my hands that you're saying, let it be gone. Drop it. We want to be ready to receive from you. So, Lord, do your work in us. Empty us. Your word says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Those who have emptied themselves. So we empty ourselves. Any thoughts that are not yours, any tools and devices that are, they're not from God. We let go of them. And then the Quakers continue by, they lift their hands, they turn them upward, and this is the receiving position, right? And this is when we say, Lord, anything you have for me, I want to receive today, amen? And anything you have, empty me so that I can receive the fullness of who you are. I want to hear from you today. So, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My God, my rock, my redeemer, speak through me today, I pray. And everyone said together, amen, amen, amen. So let's receive this word. So let's start about with the plan. So the plan is discipleship. This is the plan. And if you've noticed, I'm pretty intentional with my pictures because discipleship looks, can look very different in a lot of different ways. And when you follow the life of Christ, you see Jesus and his disciples making disciples in all kinds of crazy places, some pretty common places, but a lot of crazy places. And the reason why discipleship is so important is because Jesus is not just out to inform us. 
There's nothing impressive anymore about information, is there? Information is everywhere. It used to be when I was a kid, I couldn't wait to get to the bus stop in the morning because where I grew up, like all grades, it was kindergarten up through seniors in high school. They were at the same bus stop, and on Monday morning, I knew that those high schoolers went to see the movies. How many of you have heard of a movie? Okay. You can get great seats there now, okay? So as we go out, I couldn't wait to see what was happening there. And that was where I found it about Rocky Balboa because they were talking about it and I wasn't allowed to go to a movie, so I couldn't wait to get there. So all this new information was there. Well, now if I want to know about a movie, everything's on my phone. I can see a trailer about it before it even comes out. I can see reviews about it before it even came out. You know, as, as a parent, there's websites that I can go to and say, what kind of content is in there? Is this a good movie for my kid to go to? What does that look like? I can reserve a seat. I can do all kinds of things before it even came out. Information is not impressive. We're not impressed by it. Even as we've walked through uh, what's happening in our culture today with sickness and illness, there is so much information that is coming at us. It can, it can be hard to know what's true and what's accurate, but just because I have information, that's not impressive. What gets our attention is not inf- being informed, it's being transformed. When you see a life that is transformed, just like we heard earlier, when someone comes up like Naomi or the others that we've had come up and they talk about how Jesus has transformed their life, how Jesus is changing them, that gets our attention because I want to be transformed. I want to be walking in the fullness of God. I want to be experiencing, I want to be hearing his voice every day. See, transformation, it gets our attention. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, he said, look, it is by your fruit that people will know that you're my disciples. It's not about how much information you have or this. We know that you can use a cell phone, Dwayne, but it's, it's your life being transformed. It's by your fruit. And then in John 13, Jesus said, by this, people will know, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, the act of loving one another is a work of Jesus in us. Now, it's, there's nothing strange about loving people that are they're in your echo chamber or they agree with you or you like them, they like you, and you do the same things, right? Those are easy people to love. But there are people around us at times that maybe they don't agree with everything you have to say. Maybe they can be difficult to love. Maybe they can be difficult to serve. And they may even be the people that bites the hand that even feeds them at times. You may be one of those people today. And what Jesus is saying is that, you know what? It is because of your discipleship, the transformative work, that you can love everybody. See, the love of Christ is all-inclusive. It's for everybody. This is the plan of discipleship, and this is done through discipleship, life on life, walking it out. See, discipleship is the application of what we know to be true. See, our lives and and the transformation in us, it informs more than the data points do. That's why James said in James chapter 2, he said that faith without works is what? Dead. If you have faith, it is transformative. When you internalize it, it is is transformative in your life, and it's going to flesh out in how we treat one another. Now, are you going to be perfect? Am I going to be perfect? No. But I can tell you this, step by step, Moment by moment, day by day, I grow stronger in my faith with Christ. As I stay with him, as I walk with him, walking step by step by step by step. If you could have seen me 20 years ago, you would see a transformative work. You know, um, I didn't ask Stephanie permission if I could share this. I hope this is okay. You know, but one of the things, it's about me. So, who could share anything negative about you? So, (laughs) 
But as we walk through this, I asked Stephanie, uh, we celebrated 28 years of, of, of marriage yesterday. Right? All glory to God and Stephanie. So as we walk, walk through this, um, you know, uh, yesterday morning I, I woke up and I just had this question. I looked over and I said, Stephanie, what's one of the things that uh, kind of surprised you about being married to me? You know? And uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a dangerous question, isn't it? And one of the things that she said that surprised her about me was my anger. Mmm. Yeah. One of the things that surprised her about me, see, we have a very honest relationship, okay? Um, and I love that about her, but she said, it was, it was your anger, the things. Because, see, one of the things that walks out in that, and especially in marriage, that covenant relationship, is that you see everything about that person, don't you? How many of you are married or you've been married? And you're like, yep, that's a revealer. <laughs> that's a revealer. You know, I had a pastor one time that he, he talked about when it was married, you expect it to be a surprise, but sometimes it's a surprise. You know, it's, 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 it's almost like kind of a, like a bad movie thing that kind of happens. And I said, and she said, yeah, because there's nowhere to hide. You're with that person all the time. And then I did the follow-up. I said, and I said, am I getting better at it? She said, yes, you're getting better at it. Now, do I still get angry? Some of you didn't even have to think about it. You just went, yep. <laughs> See, the ang- I haven't perfected that yet. But am I better at it? I'm a lot better at it. Praying through it, working through it, walking through it. And just to make me, be- make, make, make me feel better about myself, anyone else struggle with anger out there? Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Stephanie, look, look around. It's not just me. So... Um, <laughs> Right? There's, yeah, there's things that we get frustrated with, things that we struggle with. This is the act of discipleship. If I had not engaged in discipleship, anger left unattended has a tendency to grow and get destructive. This is the importance of discipleship to where I've even shared that with some people before, and they've been surprised. And my response has been, it's just a work of God, working it. I'm getting better and better. I'm not there yet. I'm a lot further down the road. Okay? This is the act of of, of discipleship. See, our lives, they inform through that act of just even sharing the testimony, even walking through and saying, man, this is what I'm struggling with. I'm better than I was, but I've got, I'm still walking it out. I'm still living it out. See, how we live, how we respond to this crisis, as we talked about earlier, how we respond to that transformative work to where, you know what, in a culture that wants to hoard, that wants to go out and just get all the toilet paper they can for themselves, all the water they can for themselves, and get everything that they can for themselves. As a culture, just something very simple. If you know what, do you need something? Do you need toilet paper? Do you need water? Do you need someone to go get your medicine for you? And just carefully drop it on the doorstep for you to come out after I leave so I don't get infected? Whatever that is, right? Do you, do you know how loving that is to make a phone call to some of our seniors that feel isolated right now, to make a phone call to some of those that they're feeling sick and they're feeling isolated? Take five minutes. Say, you know what? I got five minutes, but I just wanted to call and see, how are you doing? Do you know what that means to those around us? It is a light that shines in a hoarding culture. Say, you know what? What I have is yours. Opening it up, serving one another, finding ways to love those who are fearful. See, discipleship is one of the evidences of Christ. Jesus, he didn't come just to inform, but he came to disciple us because one of the ways when we look at him, when we study, when we look at, at, at the data that is there to what, uh, to is Jesus real? His act of discipleship is part of the proof 
because the eyewitness account is overwhelming as it relates to Jesus. And we know this even from a legal system. If you get in trouble and you go to court, what is one of the biggest things that can help you? A good witness, right? Someone who can be there and go, I know that guy, and that's not, that didn't happen. The more witnesses that you have to corroborate, to corroborate your story, I mispronounced that word, but the more that you go through to do that, the better it is for you because there's an eyewitness account. This is who we are. We are evidence, key evidence of who Jesus is in our life. This is the role of, of, of discipleship. So when we look at this and we look at the way and, and the reason why that is the plan, I want us to dive in just real quickly to how Jesus called those first disciples because we have a lot to learn about how he called them. This was a thing that he engaged in actively. And the thing that we need to notice, first of all, is that as it relates to the call, Jesus went to them. See, Jesus, he went to them and he went to them at work. And this was so countercultural to that day. See, discipleship was not a new word. Rabbis discipled people all the time. But a rabbi would never go to you and ask you if you wanted to be their disciple. See, if you wanted to be with a really good rabbi, you had to prove yourself. There had to be, there was education involved. There were tests involved. There was this proving to make sure and to prove that you were worthy of being a disciple of that rabbi. It was an honor to be a disciple of the really good rabbis of that day. So they didn't seek you out. They had people seeking them all the time. But here Jesus, he's going to them and he's seeking them out. Even after they passed the whole stage where they had opportunity to prove themselves, Jesus, he's going to them. And he's going to Peter at work and he's catching Peter at work in his most unsuccessful moment. Okay, so he caught nothing. He fished all night and caught nothing. And I can relate. I've been there, okay? But, not, but Peter, this was different for him. See, they fished at night because back in those days, the nets that they used were different than the nets that we use now. And for me on my mom's side, I come from a long line of inshore fishermen that, uh, that fishing was everything, Lop, you know, lobster, or if you're in Boston, lobster, you know, whatever it is. But getting the nets, the nets that they make now, they, 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 they make them out of nylon to where they're, they're almost invisible in the water. The nets in that day were made out of flax and linen. So if they put them down during the day, the fish could see them and, and they could navigate around them. They fished at night because that's when the fish couldn't see them, when they could trick the fish. This was very vital, very vitally important. And Jesus was showing up at their worst time and seeing them. And what does Jesus do? Jesus shows up, and one of the first things that he does at work with them is he takes Peter's boat, and he uses it as a platform for preaching and teaching the gospel. Think about that. He visits them at work, and he uses one of their most important tools, their boat, and he says, will you push it off? I'm going to use this as a platform for the gospel. Think about that. Think about where you work. And as you hear some of these things, I want you to think about, God, how would you use me at work? Using that platform, that place that you've called me, that place where you've placed me. Business is mission, being active in it. Jesus showed up, and he's given him a lesson today. He's going, I'm going to use that boat to preach the gospel. Push it off. And not only that, Jesus, looking at Peter, he gives him success at work. He shows up at work on his most unsuccessful day he caught zero nothing and he makes it one of his most successful days here's what it says it says when jesus had finished preaching finished speaking he said to peter he said put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch 
And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. Okay, so he's saying, look, you, you know, I don't know if you know what you're talking about. We've worked hard all night, but he went on, he said, but because you say so, I will do it. Because you say so, because you're giving us wrong advice, nobody would sit, tell somebody to go out with these visible nets during the day and put them down. This is wrong advice. It's not going to work. We've been out there all night struggling. But because you say so, sure, I'll give it a try. And his advice works. And not only does it work, it says here in the gospel that they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they're fishing at the wrong time, the wrong methodology, and Jesus blesses it. And they catch one of their biggest loads of fish. And I think this is an important lesson for us. We need to be reminded that when we think about Jesus, Jesus is not just a great theologian. He's not just a great healer. He's not just those things that we try to confine to church. But as it relates to Jesus, Jesus is the best at everything. Are you a business person? Do you know who the best person is in business? Jesus. Hey, Jesus. All right. Are you an architect? Who's the best at architecture? Jesus. Jesus. I'm, I'm having to bait you a lot, okay? <laughs> who's the greatest artist? Jesus. Whatever you're doing, who's the greatest counselor? Jesus. Who's the greatest teacher? Jesus. And not just teaching about God. See, Jesus, he's the greatest at everything. And sometimes we try to put Jesus in a box, and he's not going to be held to your box. He's not going to be held to your box. Jesus is the best at everything. There is no area of our life, there's no area in our culture where Jesus is not the best. And he cares about it. He cares about what you do. He cares about those passions and those things that he's placed inside of you. Does Jesus love me as a pastor any more than he cares about you as an architect or a business person? No, he doesn't. He loves us all the same, and he's given us different callings for the same purpose of discipleship. My call to discipleship is no different than your call to discipleship, wherever you are. This is the call we have in our life. This is the call. But the first step that we need to do in doing this is what he called Peter to do, which is what? To drop your nets. Everyone say, drop your nets. Drop your nets. And I encourage you just to hold your hand out. And in this moment, just to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you as we walk through this and say, Lord, speak to me about anything I need to let go of. Anything I need to drop. Anything that is being spoken to me internally that is not your voice. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Jesus. See, discipleship requires that we surrender, that we let go of everything, that we drop our nets. See, great callings, the great calling of our life, it requires a great sacrifice. The higher the call, the higher the sacrifice. Those things run in tandem to them. And for these disciples, Jesus was calling them to surrender and to drop something that has a great worth. See, dropping the net was not just dropping some flax and some linen. See, dropping the net to them, this was dropping their identity. See, we get a lot of identity from our job, don't we? What do you do? Well, I'm a carpenter. I'm a plumber. I'm a teacher. I'm an architect. Whatever. This is one of the things that, that starts a lot of relationship for us. This is our identity. This is where we spend so much time. Not only that, our jobs, whatever we do, this is also our provision. It's providing for us. 
It's providing for our family. It's providing for our friends. And if you're a business owner like these guys were, you're also dropping down provision for those that you employ. See, these weren't just simple fishermen that they would just go out and catch fish and see what happened. These were business people. And the more you dive into it, the more you read the commentary, and the more you read the historical um, account behind it, you see what was going on here. They called their partners. They called those to come in, people that they hired, people that they employed. See, their fish was being sold in the fish markets. That fish was the main staple of that day, not meat. In the Greco-Roman world, fish was the main thing that people ate. This was what they ate. This was what supplied the markets. And not only that, was scattered through Egypt and through Syria. Because the fish from this region was known. And it was highly desired. It was highly, highly desired. So when they were dropping it, they were letting go of this. So it begs the question, why did they let this go? Why did they drop their nets? What would bring them to this point? These businessmen to say, you know what? I'm going to let it go. I'm going to drop it. Peter experienced Jesus. See, G Peter, he knew about Jesus. And when you read it earlier, you discover that Jesus had healed his mother-in-law. Jesus had healed his mother-in-law. Peter knew this. I hope he had a good relationship with his mother-in-law. And it says after that that his mother-in-law made a meal for Jesus. He healed her. She made a meal for him. He knew Jesus' fame was spreading as a preacher, as a teacher. And not only that, his brother Andrew even brought Peter to meet Jesus. So he even met Jesus. But in this moment, when Jesus showed up at work, showing up at his place, Jesus moved from being someone that was in the peripheral to now somebody who was personal to him. See, when Jesus showed up at work for Peter, what was he saying to him? He's like, Peter, I, I care about the things you, you care about. I can't be confined to the synagogue. Now, Jesus was faithful. He went to church. He taught. He spoke. He was faithful in that. But as he walked throughout, when we look at the disciples, we see this pattern of Jesus going to them at work, going to them in their day. Many of them were fishermen, and he showed up at work where they were fishing, and he called them. One of my other favorite disciples, Matthew, the tax collector, who I love, he showed up at his tax collector booth and called him. And when you read and you study that account, you read about how that transformed the life of Matthew. That Jesus would call him, that Jesus would show up at work where he was being mocked. No one liked a tax collector. And especially in those days. See, Jesus cares about the things that we care about. And he showed up, he gave him great success. He even used his language. He said, Peter, you're a fisherman. I'm going to drop your net. I'm going to make you a fisher now of people. Do you see how he knows Peter? He cares about the things that he cares about. And in that moment, what was Peter's response? I think Peter's response was the same response that many of us have. He was scared. He witnessed Jesus. Jesus showed up. He talked to him. He gave him great success on, one of the, on the worst fishing day. I mean, how do you catch less than nothing, you know? 
and he gave him success. The Bible says that Peter, he fell to his knees. He said, go away. I'm a sinful man. I'm not worthy. I think sometimes that's the response that we have as it relates to Jesus. When we experience him and when we see him and we see his love and we see what he's doing, our response is, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of this. We fall to our knees and we go, I can't. I'm not worthy of this. You know how Jesus responded? Jesus looked at him in his moment of vulnerability and said, I choose you. I pick you. Think about that. He experienced it. He sees it. He knows it. He falls to his knees and says, Jesus, I'm not worthy. And Jesus is saying, I see you. I know you. And Peter, I choose you. And he even says, says that, Peter, you are the rock that I'm going to build this on. You ready to walk with me, Peter? You ready to have a life that is going to change forever? You don't feel worthy? I choose you. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you're like you're walking through something or maybe you've made a mistake or you've given into addiction you're going, I'm not worthy. There's no way God can, can use this. And God, he intercedes your life. He comes in and he transforms you and he says, I still choose you. I choose you every time. Every time that you come to forgiveness, I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to choose you. This is the walk with Christ. This is the walk of discipleship. I'm gonna show up at your work and I'm going to transform it in the name of Jesus so that all these people here will know that I love them and will become my disciples. This is the walk. Jesus is saying, you know, Peter, I see that you're scared about provision. So what does he do? He provides for them. He gives them the biggest catch on his worst day. I see how you're scared. I see that you feel unworthy. Peter, I choose you. And see, this is so pivotal because this is what the Lord would say to us today for all of you. And, and as the worship team comes back, I want everyone to hear this, right? Hear this. That wherever you are in your moment, I want you to hear that the Lord's voice is speaking out in the middle of all this to say, I choose you. I choose you. But in order to do this, we need to drop our nets. Are you hungry for God to transform your place of work? Are you hungry for God to transform your home? Are you hungry for God to transform every area that you walk in? It begins with dropping your nets and saying, you know what, God, you're, you're my provider. Lord, you're the one. I'm not worthy. I feel that way so many times. And so many times I walk. Maybe you're like me and you're like, yeah, I battle with feelings of worthiness. But Jesus looks at us and he says, I choose you. And what has he called us to do? Drop our nets and follow him. Maybe you're like me. So many times the temptation that comes up is a temptation to just give up. And what the enemy is going to say to you is, go, you know what, it's, it's not worth it. You, you gave it a good try. Time to move on to something else. Have you ever been there? You gave it a good try, Dwayne. Time to move on. That's when the voice of the Lord says, I'm just getting started in you. And oftentimes when I feel that, it's because I'm holding on to something. And maybe something that I put up as a provision in my life, whether it was financial or even spiritual that didn't, wasn't meant to be there, or relationships, or friendships, whatever those things are, 
when those pillars get kicked out in our life, we go, you know what? It's not going well. But I'm telling you, that's your biggest moment of breakthrough. That's when the Lord wants to step into your life and just go, are you ready? I got a few more pillars here I want to kick out <laughs> until you recognize I'm your provider. Amen. Can we all stand together today? And let's stand just inviting. This is a holy moment. This is a transformative, supernatural transformative moment. I want to invite you to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And I invite you to ask this question. Say, just say, Jesus, what are you calling me to let go of? What are the things that you're calling me to let go of? The pillars that I've put up as provision that you're going, that's, that's not it. I'm your provider. I'm your provider. What nets do we need to let go of? See, Jesus didn't say burn the nets. He didn't say you're never going to fish again. He's saying, you're going to surrender to me. You're going to give it to me. You're going to walk with me. I think sometimes we think surrendering means it's gone forever. He's going, no, are you leaning into me? As you look at your life, you know, ask yourself, if you're a follower of Christ, how is discipleship evidenced in my life? How's that being tested? Where am I being tempted to give up? What areas is the Lord looking and saying, you're ready to give it up and to let me come in? Amen. As we respond today, I'm going to invite our prayer team to go to the sides. And as we walk out, and we can even, we, we, we can even, even pray like, like this, <laughs> right? I want to encourage you in this moment as the worship team leads us. I believe this is a transformative part. Where, where are you afraid? Where are you like Peter? Fear is overwhelming you. And you're just saying, I can't, I can't take it. And maybe you've not spoken it, but your life has been lived in such a way of, go away, Jesus. I'm not worthy. Jesus is saying, are you ready? Because I choose you. I choose you. I want to invite you to respond. Take out a connection card. Go to someone to pray. Turn to the neighbor next to you and say, would you just pray for me? I'm being overwhelmed with fear right now. Maybe you're saying, you know what, Pastor Dwayne just talked about how, you know, he's had a struggle with anger. I just gave you permission to say, I'm struggling with anger. <laughs> Or I'm struggling with this, or I'm struggling with frustration, or I'm struggling with doubt, or I'm struggling with whatever it is. Let's take this moment to deal with it and to surrender to the Lord. Find someone to, to pray with. We're, 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 we're going to be careful. We've got hand sanitizer as you leave and, and all those good things that will walk out. But let's respond to this moment. Amen. Write it down. Let's spend some time responding to the voice of the Lord.